Landon. I'm even thankful for Landon, uh, keeping mom and dad on the straight and narrow. It's good to have Dusty Booth with us this evening. Dusty used to be in our area, and he's now out in Missouri. And I'll just say, uh, this is why we don't we don't ever cancel church. He came in from Missouri and uh, came tonight to church. If we'd closed, uh, he would have found uh, he would found locked doors. And, and just because of where we are, there are always people coming into town, all, Washington, uh, people that used to live here before, people that are coming over to the Pentagon or here for business in Washington, D.C., and, and regularly on a Sunday evening or Wednesday night, we have guests in the service. And so that you think the preacher is, the preacher is crazy, uh, but those people come, they find a locked door. It is really disheartening to think, you know, I came all the way from Missouri to go church tonight, see Brother Bishop, and he, he shut church down. And I, I don't want that kind of reputation. Years ago, I sent uh, one of our folks, they were moving to a new town, and I said, this is where you need to go to church. That's where you need to go to church. And so they, they were there uh, Sunday night, and uh, they went to the church, and the church was locked. Monday morning, I called the preacher on the phone. I said, brother, I understand you canceled church last night. He said, oh, how do you know that? <laughs> Who told you? And I, I, he said, I purposely don't tell people that because I don't want people like you calling me, giving me a hard time. And I said, I, I want to tell you that I sent a tithing church member to you last night, and you closed your church down, and they'll probably never, never come to see you again. And he went, oh. Uh, so uh, we just do church. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, uh, we, we just do that. And uh, thank you for your faithfulness to, to church. I let our young people be dismissed for children's Bible time, second grade on down. Uh, for children's Bible time with Mr. Frank. Take your Bibles this evening, turn to Joshua chapter 15, book of Joshua, the 15th chapter, and go in verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Chapter 14, last week we were inspired by Caleb. He was a spy at 40 years of age. Went to spy out the land, he was one of the 12 spies, went into the land of Egypt, uh, he brought back a good report. God had promised us we can do it. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, let's go take it. The other twelve, the other ten, uh, the ten men, not, not Joshua, but the ten, ten of the twelve that went out said, oh, it's terrible, it's a big, and uh, there, there are giants, and we are grasshoppers in their sight. Uh, again, that, is not, that was not a true statement. They could not have possibly known what they were, what they looked like in the sight of those people, because they didn't ask them, they didn't talk to them. Uh, they made an exaggerated statement, which was not based in truth. It was not based in fact. And years later, when they went in to conquer the land, the people of the land said, we've been afraid for 40 years that you were coming. Uh, they were melting at the time. And the children of Israel could have very well done it. Why? Why could they have? Because God said to do it. Uh, he waited 40 years, 40 years of wandering. Now he's 85 years of age, chapter 14. He says, I want that mountain. I, I can, I'm just as strong at 85 I don't think I'm going to be able to say that. Because I don't feel that strong as, as I, at 65. 
And Ms. Bishop say, you're not 65. No, but I'm, I'm closer to 65 than I am 60. <clears throat> uh, just, just saying. Uh, but here he is. I don't think he's exaggerating. I think he has a commitment to serve the Lord and to go out and to conquer. So I'm just as strong as 85 as I was uh, when I was at 40, both to go out and to come in, uh, both to take care of business, to do battle, to go out on the battlefield, uh, which is an extraordinary statement. I'll just say this. Many pastors quit. I've got pastor friends that are younger than me that are retiring from the ministry. I, I, just, I just struggle with that. And I've got a couple of guys who are uh, five, six, uh, even up to ten years older than I am, and they're just staying at it. And uh, we, we talk about the fact that these younger guys are retiring. They're quitting. Uh, they're saying they're too old to go on. I said at the last pastor's fellowship meeting, which was just a couple of weeks ago uh, down in Fredericksburg, I said, you know, fellas... There are two guys that are 80 years of age, their sanity in question, but they both think that they're strong enough and wise enough to run the greatest country on the face of the earth, America. They're running for president of the United States. You can probably pastor a church with 100 people. I'm just saying, at, at 62, and you probably can, uh, but they're dropping. Uh, they are absolutely dropping. Uh, they're, they're waiting to die. I don't want to wait to die. I'm with Caleb. Let's just keep serving the Lord. Let's just keep doing it. I, I'm, I'm inspired by a man named Robin Lester. Robin Lester pastored for many years, a very thriving church, uh, Frank's downstairs, in Powhatan, uh, which is where the camp is, a great, great church there on the main drag going out of town. Uh, and <clears throat> when he got to approaching uh, 65, 66, 67 years of age, uh, he just did not, he felt like he was slowing down and he just could not keep up with as large as that congregation was. <clears throat> and so he said to the church, I think it is best for you to find a younger man who can keep up with the activity that's going on. But he didn't stop serving the Lord. He found a small church that didn't have a pastor for the last 20 years. He has been pastoring that church and now he's 85 years of age. And I, I, I told him, uh, Brother Lester, you inspire me. Because at 85 years of age, I want to think that I've still got something to offer the Lord. I might not be able to do it in a place as busy as Washington, D.C., but there, there should be some somewhere uh, that I can still invest the talents. That's Caleb. He said, man, I, I'm 85. There's something I can do for God. And, and he wanted something big. And there's absolutely nothing the matter with that. There are some that stay too long. But the vast majority of preachers that are quitting early in life, vast majority of Sunday school teachers that are quitting early in life are quitting way too early. Way too early. So my dad is uh, 94. Uh, he'll be 94 years of age in just a little bit. And he says, uh, I, I missed my Sunday school class. He's home taking care of mom. Mom's got some memory issues. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, at 94 years of age, his, his mind is sharp when it comes to the Word of God. And if, if he weren't taking care of mom, could he, could he teach a Sunday school class at 94? You bet your boots he could teach a Sunday school class at 94. And I guarantee you, if you missed his class at 94 years of age, that he'd be knocking on your door uh, the, the next Tuesday to find out why you weren't in church. And uh, what's this 94-year-old man doing knocking on my door? Uh, he's got a desire uh, to serve the Lord. And we should, not, we should not lose that. In my limited experience, 
uh, the vast majority of Sunday school teachers, preachers, put themselves on the shelf way too soon. So keep keep serving the Lord. We're in uh, Joshua chapter uh, Joshua chapter fifteen, uh, and uh, we'll just start at verse one. This then was a lot of the tribe of the children of Judah by their families, uh, even to the border of Edom. Verse two to the south border. Verse three to the south side, and then it passed to Azam and went to the river Egypt. Verse four. Uh, verse five. The cast uh, the east border was a salt sea even unto the end of Jordan. And here we have. In these verses, a points. Now, you may look at this and say, uh, this, this is uh, kind of uh, pretty, pretty boring stuff. But if, if you were a surveyor, uh, this would be really exciting document to come across. Because you can go out and you can find the borders of uh, that property. We're going to drop down to verse 13 uh, to get started in the chapter. We're going to come down to these, back to these first uh, 12, but verse 13, we're going to go there because it talks about Caleb. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, he gave a part of the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord, uh, to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, uh, which is the city of Hebron. And Caleb drove thence, he's 85, Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ammon and Talmai, the children of Anak, and he went up thence to the inhabitants of Daber, and the name of Daber was, was before was Kirjas Sefer. Verse 16, and Caleb's got a pretty daughter, and she wants a husband, but she doesn't want some lazy, half-wit, half-on, half-off, half-committed, half-not-committed, a guy. He wants a guy that's going to serve the Lord. He wants a guy with some zeal. And so he says, verse 16, Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjah Sefer and taketh it to him, will I give Aisha, my daughter, to wife. He said, I'm going to give my pretty girl to somebody to marry, but it's going to be the guy that has some courage and is willing to go to battle and take the city for the Lord. And I just, I just like that. And I'll just say, uh, fellas, I'm not going to make my single fellas stand up. But you're a single fella. God's got a desire for you. Now, not you, Theo. To get married. He's a little young. And Brother Merrick's going, why not Theo? Uh, would you agree with that now? Not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. You're 22, 23, 24 years of age. You should be getting married. Getting a wife. Christian gal. Having kids. Uh, you should. Stop playing video games. Put the video games down and start getting serious about what. Find a wife. Listen, and some of you girls, I'll just just stop here for a second. We're meddling, going to meddling. Some of you girls have such high standards, nobody'd ever, nobody ever qualify. But just let me say, you ain't so great yourself. I'll preach you. I got the boom, but boom, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom, but that that's the perfect guy. Here's the problem: you're not a perfect girl. Well, he doesn't measure up. Neither do you. Now, it's not right for me to compare my marriage uh, to the guy, to the gal that you guys are looking for, because Mrs. Bishop is absolutely perfect. <laughs> and she paid me 20 bucks to say that. <laughs> I say, Mrs. Bishop's not perfect. 
but neither am I. Mrs. Bishop is strong in my areas of weakness, and she's weak in my areas of strength. You take two weak, two, two strong people, two weak people, and you put them together, and they become one really strong person. Mrs. Bishop and I have a strong bond. We work really well together. We are, we are, we are a lean, mean, fighting machine. Uh, we, we, we do it. She, she keeps me on track, and I look at her sometimes and I say, what are you thinking? And sometimes she looks at me and says, what were you thinking? And I should have asked her first, obviously. Uh, we, we keep one another in check. Uh, are we perfect? We are absolutely not perfect. Uh, but we, we complement one another. Uh, you're looking for somebody perfect. You should be looking for someone who is strong in your weak areas and weak in your strong areas. And that, that's probably going to be a pretty good match. Uh, need to be saved. Need to be in, in the Lord. Uh, but uh, there's, there, listen, there's absolutely nothing, to, nothing the matter with being married. But you've got to put video games down. Because uh, Caleb didn't say, you know, I'd like to have somebody who set the high record in, I don't even know what a video game is, in uh, Mario Kart. I, I don't know. <laughs> I want somebody who can take this city. I want somebody who's bold. I want somebody who's going to go out there. And uh, Othniel said, you're a pretty girl. I'll take the city. And he did. Uh, he went out there and, and took it. Uh, you just got to like this guy. Verse 17, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave him Eshkesh, uh, his daughter, to wife. And it uh, came to pass. And now, uh, he, was, he, was, he was just happy he got the girl, right? But she's not happy. Uh, she, she wants a little bit more. <laughs> she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Uh, who answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. There's no water there. Come on, Dad. What you thinking? I want some water. And so he said, he gave me springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. Now, here's a, a, a couple that just want to do something and be successful uh, for Christ. I'll go back uh, to uh, 40 years ago. Mr. Bishop and I, in June, will celebrate 40 years of marital bliss. And out of those 40 years, I'm going to tell you how many were happy. All 40. Uh, we've, uh, we've, had a, we've had a great run. Uh, we absolutely have. Her dad was deaf. Five o'clock at uh, farm time, he, uh, he went out to the barn and milked a cow. There, you know, he, just, uh, he, he was just going. And so <clears throat> I was over there. I was interested in his daughter. And we're walking out to the barn and <clears throat> to milk cows. And I said, uh, Mr. Demery, uh, uh, I would really uh, like uh, 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 your... Uh, uh, permission to uh, uh, marry your daughter. And he had the typical conversation with a deaf guy. He's going, uh-huh, mm, yeah, yeah, oh, sure, uh-huh, right, right, right. Mm. He's not, he not paying a lick of attention to me. And so I put my hand on his arm. I said, Mr. Demery, I want to marry your daughter. I want to marry Carol. And he said, huh, take her, take her, take her. <laughs> More are you looking at me like, what, man, what in the world took you so long, fella? I told you when you were 16, she was a girl for you. You've been dragging your feet about time you woke up and noticed that she was there. <clears throat> but uh, guys, there's nothing the matter with going to dad and saying, dad, can I have your daughter's hand in Mary? As opposed to sneaking off, running off, eloping. Uh, just, just ask for dad. Be a, man, be a man and stand up and ask. And so we got two men. Uh, Caleb said, I, I'll, who she marries is my decision. 
Now, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well in the world in which we live today. But it's still good practice, fellas. Go to the dad, look him in the eye, shake his hand, and say, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? It's just a good thing, it's just a good thing to do. <clears throat> a verse, a chapter 17, let's look at verse 14. Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak. Look at these guys. Shishai, Ahaman, Talmai, the children of Anak. They, these, are, these are formidable foes. But uh, they're, they need to be conquered. What do you have in your life that needs to be conquered? And he identified them by name. I know what my weaknesses are. I know what needs to be, what needs to be conquered. I know what I can't give the flesh an inch on. I know that. And you do too. Uh, you are not any different than I am. There is no temptation taken me, but such as is common to you. I tell you, God is faithful. God will help you. You're going to give into the flesh. The flesh is never, never satisfying. <clears throat> God's blessings don't necessarily make life easy. So here's a couple. They've been given, they've been given land. They've been given uh, the spring, but there's still giants there. There's still stuff to do. There's still wars to be fought. There's still land to be conquered. Young people, I'm here to tell you, there's still things to be done for the Lord. Everybody in Springfield, Alexandria, Arlington has not been reached for Christ. There are still doors to knock on. There are still people to reach. There are still people in the apartment. Young men still in the apartment complexes that need to be reached. Would you say yes, Brother Ray? Brother Ray would say yes. Will you reach them? I got the two rays that are going out there. But will you, young men? Because there comes... No, no offense to you guys. But there comes a time when people look at us and say, Really? Are you guys just a church of old men? Now, you don't look old. And you don't look old, but I look old. And so what, what do we need? I, I said, Brother Ray, get that Jason guy out there. Man, a big, strong, strapping guy. Kids look up to him and say, they don't, they don't look at me and say, you know, I really I want, I want to be like Bishop when I grow up. They look at me and go, whoa. They look at Jason and they go, man, you're a strong guy. Man, I want to be like him. Hey, you young people uh, in your 20s, you're missing an opportunity to serve the Lord in the best years of your life. When people are drawn to you and your stature and your youthfulness. The Apostle Paul put it like this. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believer in word and conversation. You should be a Christian. Because at your age, in your 20s and 30s, you're going to inspire people just to, to, to come to the Lord just by your presence in the room. See, Brother Ray, after the service, he'll be glad to sign you up for the bus ministry. And so here we have uh, verses... Uh, 1 through 12, we have a methodical presentation of God's divine placement. Caleb was promised Hebron, Judah to the south. Ephraim was in the center. Lot directed by the Lord. The tribes together in logical fashion to promote their peace, their prosperity, their strength. We pointed out time and time again, and it's not to be missed in this chapter, that part of what was given and what was given was Reuben and Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh. 
their inheritance was on the outside of where God wanted them to be. But they requested it, and God gave it to them. You can ask something of the Lord that is not what is best for you to have. And God God may give it to you. And God gave it to them. But when Israel was being attacked, they attacked the out regions first. And Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh were the first to fall. We want to be on the outskirts. We want, we're happy with this. We, we want this to be our possession. God said, okay, I'll give it to you. Cool. God gave us what we wanted. Be careful with getting what you want and not getting what God wants for you. That's a problem. Genesis chapter 49 verse 7 says, Jacob prophesied that Simeon and Levi should be divided and scattered in Israel. Genesis chapter 40. God had a plan. Uh, 49 verse 10. Uh, Jacob uh, prophesied that Judah per- would be protected in the south. Why, why was that? Well, we have Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And it was important uh, that they be protected. We have Solomon talking in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And he says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Uh, be careful. As you're, I'm all for it and, and launching out, but be careful when you pray that you don't say, God, give me, give me, give me this guy. That's the guy I want. Or God, give me this girl. That's the girl I want. Or God, let me, let me do this or let me do that. Lord, I want what you want. I want what you want me to have. Caleb said, God promised this to me and that's what I want. What has God promised to you? Some people are never content. May 13, 2022, Spain. Dutch pro baller Murad Lambrecht was on vacation. Vacation wasn't enough. He was in one of the most beautiful spots on the face of this earth in Spain. And he was going to jump into the ocean. He's going to leap off this cliff and jump into the ocean. Now, he was a cool 90 feet above the surface of the water. That's a long ways. Even if you're a skilled diver at diving that height, 100 feet going down, that's, that's a long way. By the time, based on his weight and height, by the time he hit the water, he would be going a cool 55 miles an hour. The impact of traveling 55 miles an hour and hitting the water, as I understand it, is equivalent of standing out in traffic and getting hit by a car traveling 55 miles an hour. Now, that would be a significant impact, Theo's looking at me. Would you agree with that, Theo? Theo's going, yeah, that, that would be a significant impact. So here's this guy, this pro bowler, bowler, thinking, you know, I need a bigger thrill on my vacation. I'm going to launch into the ocean that is 90 feet below of a cliff. In order to get far enough out into the ocean that when he hit it 55 miles an hour, that he would actually uh, be deep enough, right? That's the problem. He's got to be deep enough. Uh, he is going to have to launch out 30 feet. I, I, I don't know what 
the world record is for the long jump. But he's not a long jumper. He's, he's, a, he's a ball player. Uh, but he's on vacation, right? And what could possibly go wrong? And so he did. He, he, he got started and he took his run and he tried to launch 31 feet and he fell the 55 feet and they buried him three days later. He died. He's dead. Why? Because the, it's just not satisfied. Not satisfied with his vacation. And, and I tell you what, that tendency is in us. Not satisfied with our wife. Not satisfied with our wealth. Not satisfied with our position. Uh, there's still a godliness with contentment that, uh, that is great gain. I promise you we'd go back to the first part, Joshua chapter 15, and we're not going to look at all these cities, but this is an assignment for you uh, fellows. You want to do something nifty with your... Tim Meyer, you want to do something nifty with your children? Get yourself a metal detector. Okay? Get with Brother Ray and get the physical description of our property here at church. And it's going to read like these first 15, first several verses of chapter 15. To a point on the northeast, a northwest corner, to a pin in the ground, to a pole, a hundred feet along, uh, uh, 131 feet along the tree line, to a pin in the corner, and uh, do a treasure hunt. I was really, uh, these passages in the Old, uh, Old Testament really came to life to me when I was, uh, uh, just before we were married, so 40 years ago, uh, during the summer times, I worked for a surveyor, Peter Yule, up in Pennsylvania, and uh, we would go to places, and uh, I, I was the, uh, I was the, I was his helper. I would go there and I would hold the plumb bob and I would hold the thing on the corner. And every once in a while, we would travel over Pennsylvania and we would go, it was treasure hunting. We were looking for stone walls and points and trees with three marks on the side, which indicated that was a corner. And so I, it is enriched my life. I'll walk walking along and I'll see three marks on a tree, mark. A, chip, a, a chunk out of a tree, chunk out of a tree, chunk out of a tree. And I'll say, Miss Bishop, that's a corner tree right there. She said, how do you know? Well, it's got three marks on it. I know. We'll be in National Harbor and we'll see a, a plate on the sidewalk. And I'll go, oh, that's a USGS survey marker. That's a, it's a point. And, and you, surveyors use that. To, isn't that right, Brother Ray? Uh, Brother, Brother Ray? I mean, he knows. He uses that kind of stuff. And that's, God's given that to them here. These points. You want these scriptures to come to life? Take your kids out there and and take just the church property. I mean, don't go trespassing on somebody else's property, but go somewhere where they actually want you to be there and and find the points. Because sometimes we have trouble finding them. And uh, we might need to know where they are someday. Uh, so uh, go back and say, Brother Ray, I found the point. My kids, we were out and we found the point. And we measured uh, the distance along, along and we found the second point. And, and your kids, your kids go, whoa. Wow, that's what chapter 15 is. Point here, a point there, a point to Egypt in the text, a point to uh, the, the Dead Sea on the north, south, east, and west. This, this is historic documents in the day and age in which we live. God gave that to them, and this is the deed book that God has given
Second Peter chapter three, verse 16 says, and also, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things, in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destructions. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But what should we do? When it comes to the text and the difficult words, but grow in grace and the knowledge. When it comes to chapter 15 and looking at all these points and our kids say, why? Why do we have to see all these points in the book? The deep book. Take them down to the courthouse and show them a deep book. And go out on the property and find it. It'll help them. It'll help them. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> I looked up several in talking about Peace and contentment, and this chapter addresses that. Biblical contentment is this. I found several statements that I thought were telling, and then we'll finish, uh, finish this off with an illustration. Biblical contentment is the inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing, this is Caleb, and knowing that he is in control of all that happens. And Caleb had that confidence. That quote was written to honor Caleb's life and commitment to take the land that God has promised him. It is an attitude. Writer went on to say this. Caleb had an attitude of the heart and mind that was not dependent on external possessions, wealth, or circumstances. It was humbly, Caleb was humbly submitting to the will of God and was content to remain within the boundaries of God's Word. Contentment, as shown us by Caleb, is realizing that God had provided everything that he needed for his own personal and present happiness. Samuel Rutherford said this, the great, quote, the great master gardener, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in a wonderful providence, with his own hand, planted me here, where by his grace, in this part of the vineyard, I grow. And here I will abide till the great master of the vineyard thinks fit to transplant me. Samuel Rutherford wrote that as it applied to Joshua uh, chapter uh, 15 and the life of Caleb. He's an inspiration to me. And that's what I want to be. I want to be found faithful, serving the Lord where God would have me to be. As I said over and over again over the past several weeks, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found, not good looking, not smart, but faithful. Are you faithful? Do you have that confidence in God? <clears throat> November 28, 2019, Robert Ronald Sir of Maine died. He was shot to death. The police were called to investigate what in the world had happened. And it turned out that Robert, that Ronald Sire, C-Y-R, had shot himself. Now you think, suicide, what a terrible way to go. But Melanie, it was not suicide. You see, he was worried about his worldly possessions. 
His wife, uh, his, he, he lived there by himself, didn't have a wife, didn't have children there living with him. But he had inherited a great amount of family jewelry. And he was worried that people were going to break in and steal it. He did not have that confidence or contentment in, 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 in God. And so he decided that a burglar alarm just wasn't enough on Aelin, that he needed to set up some booby traps. And so he did. He set up some booby traps. He set up some shotguns. He tied the string to the trigger and the trigger to the doorknob. And he did that in three different places around his home. And then in a hurry to get home one night, he forgot that he had booby-trapped one door and opened the door and shot himself. And we look at that and we go, crazy. To do what? To protect family jewelry. There, there comes a time that we have to trust the Lord. I preached the message this morning. Several folks talking to me after the service. Say, Pastor, uh, did you know this is going on? Yes, I do. Uh, Pastor, you know that's going on. Every, every day, almost, somebody sends me a video saying, did you see this and did you see that? And how can you maintain a peace and a calm with all the insanity that is going on in the world today? The same way Caleb did. Having a confidence in the Lord God. I don't lay awake at night worried about what's happening in the world. I know that God has led me here at this time and this place to serve him. And I am confident and comfortable and content to do that. I am thankful that God has led our children to serve at Bible Baptist Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God has enabled our daughter and son-in-law, to stay here and work with us. I'm thankful for that. Because very easily, they could have been shuttled away. But if God were to take them to Zimbabwe, and then to North Africa, or Mrs. Bishop to heaven, I want to know that I'm right where God wants me to be with the strength that God has given me, serving the Lord faithfully in what God has called me to do. You, it's not enough enough for the preacher to have that confidence. You must have that confidence that you are where you need to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. That will give you courage that Caleb had to fight the battles against the giants and to say, I need a wife, I need a husband for my daughter, and whoever will join with me and fight uh, in the battle, that's the guy that's going to get her. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. And I pray that in the room tonight we get some men, young men who would stand up and, and be committed uh, to marriage, to, be, to, to the fight, to the Christian faith to soul winning, to the bus ministry, to using their youth and energy and strength to inspire the 14 and 15-year-olds and the junior high knuckleheads uh, to want to serve you as well. Father, I pray that you do a work in the room tonight in our midst, inspiring others. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're a teenager, you're a young person, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s tonight. 
You're trying to figure out what in the world God has for you to do. Uh, you just need to talk to Brother Ray. You need to talk to Brother Corey. You need to talk to the preacher. There's a lot of work to be done. We're just looking for men and women who will stand up and say, Here am I. Send me. Preacher, tonight God has spoken to my heart about a very specific area about serving the Lord. Would you pray for me? Pray for me. God, God, work in my heart. Do something great for him. And I will. And I will. Father, I thank you for men. Thank you for older men. I thank you for middle-aged men. I thank you for young men. Men like Caleb, who are, will, who are willing to say 85 years of age, they're, they're still able to go forth in the battle and the fight. For young men who will say, I, I will not let, I'll not let the old men outrun me. I'm going to step forward and do something great for God. Father, I pray that you'd help these young men, these middle-aged men and these older men, to step up to the challenge to do something great and mighty for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this evening. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not saved. I need to be saved. Hold your hand up. Hold it up for a moment. Let me pray for you. Let's stand to our feet. The piano's playing. The invitation will not be long. You obey as God speaks. God has spoken. Will you come? Will you come?